What's up, guys? It's the First in Football Show. I'm your co-host, Logan Allward. Today, we have another interview. Continuing our coverage in the OAC, I'm here with offensive coordinator from Otterbein, Dave Carroll. Dave, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. This is exciting. Glad to be here. Yep. For those who don't know, Dave Carroll has been around the OEC quite a bit, more than probably the usual coach. Um, we're big on the OEC here. So if you want to go ahead and kind of just tell us your story, um, you started at Muskingum as a player, yep. and now you're the OEC at Otterbein. So how'd that yeah. happen? So I uh, played four years as a receiver at uh, Muskingum University uh, under then head coach Al Logan. Um, after I graduated from there, um, I actually didn't jump right into coaching college football. I actually coached a year back at my high school at, at Marion Pleasant High School. Um, big reason why that was was because um, my dad was my high school coach. He was our defensive coordinator uh, on our high school football team. So, you know, he kept telling me he was getting up there. Like, I think this might have been his 35th year of coaching high school ball when uh, I went back there. He told me that he was going to retire, and I, you know, I played for him. I wanted to take the opportunity to coach with him as well. So did that for a year, um, was in the education system, and then, you know, that that year just um, – well, I knew it wasn't for me. Uh, I knew that I wanted to go on and – and uh, coach at the college level. And it was a perfect time for me. You know, I wasn't, didn't have a girlfriend, didn't have a kid like I do, a little baby boy like I do now. So, um, you know, it was a great opportunity for me to um, jump into the college ranks, you know, and, and um, where I first started coaching college ball was at Otterbein University. Uh, as a graduate assistant, I coached the receivers there. Um, you know, Coach Daup was uh, gracious enough to give a young guy shot uh, that didn't really have any college coaching experience, no recruiting experience whatsoever. Um, you know, and I took that job and I kind of ran with it. Um, you know, we had some really special players uh, during my two years there. Uh, Hunter Joseph, uh, who was a receiver for me, um, was a transfer from Ohio Dominican. Um, and then Julian Lowe, who's actually the all-time uh, touchdown leader uh, at Otterbein. Uh, was another receiver uh, for me too. And then I had the opportunity to be around, didn't get to, I got to actually coach him his sophomore year before he moved to the quarterback position. And that was Logan Stepp, who was a two-time uh, uh, OAC player of the year. Um, so we I was, I was blessed to be around uh, some really good guys um, during my time there at Otterbein. Um, you know, being a GA, you're kind of stuck in a, in a spot that once you finish your master's, if there's no full-time opening on staff, you got to kind of move on and try and find um, another job. And, you know, I was really gracious enough to make some really good connections within the OAC because it's uh, it really is a brotherhood and fraternity with those coaches. Um, you know, and I was gracious enough that Dean Paul at Ohio Northern University hired me on as um, you know, a, a restricted earnings coach. So it's, it's right below full-time position. Um, and I got to, you know, actually move positions. Uh, I started coaching the tight ends there. Um, you know, and that's really my first uh, opportunity. You know, as a receivers coach, you're more concerned about the pass game from that standpoint. You really don't um, get into much of the, from an X's and O's standpoint up front, what's going on with the offensive line, you know, um, you work, you work closely with the quarterbacks from here and there. 
but but from an offensive line standpoint to understand the run game and how they block things up was very, very crucial and a big part of why where I'm at today. And I had the opportunity to, you know, really get close with Devin Russell. He was the offensive line coach there at Ohio North is now the OCO line coach at Davenport in Michigan, D2 school. So um, that's where I really got my first, you know, understanding of how things are up front with the offensive line. Um, I stayed on staff there for a, a short year. I don't know if it even was a year. So we got to spring, and, and that's when the job opening at Marietta came open uh, to, to come coach receivers. And, you know, um, Andy Waddle was the, was the first head coach to give me my first full-time job. And, you know, I, I couldn't be more thankful to him uh, to give me that opportunity. You know, um, I was at Ohio Northern. We went seven and three. I take no credit with what happened with, at Marietta. I, I, I walked into a great situation. Um, they had already built it from, I, I think it might've been maybe your freshman year, six and four, or was it, or was your six freshman and four, year? Yeah, my freshman year. And then yeah. my sophomore year would have been like seven and three, seven and three. So that was my first year when we went seven and three, you know, it was a big attest to Caleb Briggleman, coach Riggleman, who's the O-line coach there now. Um, and, and, you know, Darian Fields, coach Fields, who's a receivers coach there. Um, and then all the guys that that were on staff there with Coach Waddle, you know, Coach Estep was had a big play in it, and Coach Bajali as well too. Uh, from that standpoint um, of you know turning that program around and really putting a spotlight uh, on Marietta College, you know, and I'm was fortunate enough to stay there for three years. Um, and you know, we had we had some great seasons for those three years. That seven and three, I know we dipped a little bit to five and five, but we finished, and you know, that spring season was pretty strong um, for us as well, too. Um, but I knew I always wanted to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, I know that in my heart of hearts, I don't want to be a head coach because they have to deal with a lot of other stuff than, <laughs> than what an offensive coordinator would, uh, would do. But, you know, when, while I was at uh, Marietta, I got to see how, you know, Coach Estep called plays and then. I got to sit next to Coach Pajali during um, the spring season up in the box and listen to how he called plays as well, too. You know, um, that spring season, I moved back to tight ends uh, from receivers, and I got to spend a lot of time with Coach Riggleman, and he played a big role of, you know, what his thought process was from a run game perspective and, and how – you know, it's it's very critical that we that we use tight ends in that offense at, at Marietta College and how they play a big role in that offense as well, too. So I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be around a lot of coaches. And then, you know, this actually happened. I had no intention, you know, of moving on from Marietta, but it, uh, it kind of just happened in late July that um, the coordinating spot opened up uh, at Otterbein. And, you know, I always – I always kept in contact with those guys because that's what you do when you, you get close with some coaches from different staffs and you talk through and, and um, you know, they, they actually reached out to coach Waddle first to make sure it was okay to talk to me. And it kind of just rolled from there. And, you know, then I knew that I was going to have a, a baby in December and, you know, kind of all made sense for me to kind of move closer back home to be around my family, you know, to help us with, with our baby boy. And um, I'm very, very thankful that I got the opportunity to come back here. And, and, um, you know, it's been, it's been, it's, it was a little bit rough last year, but 
um, you know, things are looking up and things are looking to be really good coming the fall. So, you know, it's just, it's just been a blessing to, you know, stay in the OAC. It's been, you know, it's a, it's a very, very tough conference to play in. Um, if you, if you haven't been in this conference, you don't really understand you, you see, you see our conference, you see the Wisconsin league conference, you see that Texas conference as well too. Um, you know, and they, all, and, and I sit and tell every recruit that I sit down and talk with when they come on recruiting visits that I believe that this is the toughest conference to play division three football in the country Absolutely. Um, because from top to bottom week in and week out, you know, you can't come and think that, okay, this is going to be a game that we can take it easy. If we make some mistakes, we can still pull out a win because that's not the case. Um, you know, from top to bottom, it's very, very tough. So that's just a little bit about, you know, where I'm at now, where I came from. And I've been very blessed and fortunate to see, you know, it's been a help for me to be on multiple different staffs, to see how they operate, to see how they work, you know, how they do things, um, you know, during the season in the off season, um, as well as, you know, from the recruiting part of it, different programs recruit different ways. So like, I've been blessed and fortunate to see it, you know, geez, with four different schools, yep. you know, in total. Yeah, so, around the block. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a, and people joke, they said, you've been to half the OAC schools so far, you might as well keep it going. But, you know, I'm gonna, I, I have a very good uh, place here at Otterbein and, you know, I love being here. You know, I live in the Westerville area right now. So just very, very blessed and fortunate the the, the career path that I've been on and, and how it all ended up um, where I'm at right now. Right. And I definitely remember those guys look, you mentioned earlier, Logan Stepp and uh, Hunter Joseph, my freshman year, man, yep. did they throw the ball on us? And was it really kind of, it wasn't fun because I ended up losing that game, but uh, yeah. it was definitely entertaining to watch. They uh, were terrific that game. And also yeah. guys who uh, don't know who Alan Estep is. Alan Estep is the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame College, who is a highly ranked Division II uh, team right now. Um, so you definitely got to witness and kind of partake in some really good coaching around the OEC because OEC is known for having guys move on to higher levels, um, especially in that John Carroll, Mountain Union, guys like that. They move on some in the NFL right now. Yeah. So as you've gotten to see this kind of take us through what's like the what's kind of a game day routine for an offensive coordinator? Well, for me, it really, really, on it really where it starts is that Saturday night after we play, um, you know, actually, for me, if I, I backtrack that Friday after I finally after we finalize the game plan, um, you know, I'll start watching a little bit of next week's opponent just to see you know, what they, what they're doing from a, from, from a game plan, not, not too much taking my time um, because I'm still focused on that game Saturday, but really for me, it starts Saturday night into Sunday morning. Um, you know, obviously you've been through it on Sundays. We, we watch the last week's game and correct the mistakes and then we're, we're flipping the switch. And we're going to next week. So really for me, it starts that Sunday morning ish Sunday afternoon uh, getting ready for an opponent for me, how I how how we do it is, uh, our our offensive staff's gonna is gonna watch a, their full games first before we get into the cutups. Why we do that is, is we we want to see you know how the tempo of the game went. The tempo meaning is the opponent that we're playing that offense that they just played. Are they trying to play fast or you know 
we want to see those momentum swings as well too and see how their defense reacts to it from that standpoint um you know and then and then after we do that on sunday we'll start getting into the cut up side of things of you know seeing what they do on first down what they do on second second and long second and you know the three to five second short and then it trickles down to third down fourth down etc from that standpoint um, you know, where, what they do in certain situations. So how they are in two minute, uh, how they are in the red zone and how they are, um, you know, down on the goal line as well too. So, and, and, and when you start doing that, you start picking up on tendencies, meaning they, they start doing the same thing over and over again, maybe, and you can start picking up that. And then once you kind of get those tendencies down from a play callings perspective, you can start. Uh, looking at, you know, okay, I'm going to, we're, we're going to look at what personnel grouping and what formations puts that defense in a bad way from that standpoint. And then, then we can go back through and tie in our plays that fit those personnel groupings that fit those formations. Um, you know, that's kind of how you start building your game plan throughout the week. Uh, Cause it's an ongoing and it's, and it's a, it changes from day to day, you know, you, you could hit the field on Tuesday and run this play that you really, really liked on the board, but it just looked like crap in practice, right? So you got to scrap it from that standpoint, and then you kind of you kind of start back over again and, and, and from, from that standpoint and kind of trying to find, um, you know, what certain um, plays are, are going to be successful. Sorry, that's my dog's barking if you heard that. We're all good, we're all good. Cut that one out. They uh, – <laughs> they will start barking if they see something. So um, from that standpoint, like I was getting back into, we, um, we want to try and find those personnel groupings and those plays, you know, that puts that defense in a bad position. And then for me, you know, on Saturdays on game day, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty locked in person on game days. I don't like to be talked to or anything like that. But a big thing for me is making sure our guys are ready to go, you know, They've they've had all their cheat sheets, their their quick tip uh, from from uh, Friday's walkthrough. Um, just making sure that from that standpoint they're ready to go. And then you know when we get into the game, it's kind of um, you know here we go. It's it's a, it's a it's pretty much a chess match from that standpoint of you you got what their tendencies are on a on a down to down basis you know, and you've got your plays, you know, in these certain columns on this play sheet that, that will work, you know, for what you're thinking that you're going to see, uh, but it ain't always what you, what, what you see. So that's where you have to make in-game adjustments uh, and make it on the fly from that standpoint. Right. And uh, on game days, we know that coaches carry these ginormous play boards. It looks like there's about a thousand different plays on there. We never know what's on them. Yeah. How many of those do you actually script up? Cause you know, coaches will typically script up the first few plays of the game just so they know what they're looking yeah. for. How far into the game do you usually script? And then at what point do you're like, all right, we're, we're adjusting on the fly here? Yeah, so for us, we like to script the first 15 plays. Um, you know, and I really got that when we were at Marietta because uh, we script what we call the first 15 when I was at Marietta. Um, you know, we we and what's been great is, you know, Coach Dow is the uh, the head coach off and, and also the offensive line coach. So, you know, he's got a, a very heavy input um, and he's helped me out tremendously. So when we're in the game, we, we we're on the headsets, we're bouncing ideas off of each other. 
Um, you know, he'll call some runs and I'll call some, some other stuff as well, too. So we work very, very well from that standpoint. Um, you know, and he's been around, man, he's been, this would be his, I believe his 21st year at Otterbein. So, I mean, he's been, he's been around for a while and he knows from that standpoint as himself was the OEC before he became the head coach at Otterbein. So, you know, having him as the first year play caller was, was very, very key for me and growing and developing. But um, yeah, to get back to your question, we, we like to script the first 15 and we'll, we'll stay on it uh, as much as we can, you know, until, you know, until you get something that like, all right, they've been showing us this look over and over again. We've got this play that's really good for this look. So let's get off the script and run it. But for us, we try to stick to those first 15 plays as much as we can. Right. Yeah, always helps. Um, kind of going to take a little turn here and dive really into Otterbein. Uh, last year, you had Bryce Hall as your quarterback, redshirt senior, fourth in the OAC for uh, yards per game with 254 yards. Then you had Muhammad, who was fourth in the OAC as well for rushing yards. Um, and then your top receiver was actually your tight end, Jeb yep. Jones, uh, yep. was eighth in the conference for receptions. He also had a tremendous game the first game I mean 11 receptions two touchdowns 114 yards I mean your tight ends putting that up those numbers up on first week you're really happy with that um all these guys are seniors and I believe it before we talked you said uh most of them are coming back except Bryce Hall and as you go through the Otterbein roster you see a lot of under under uh freshmen and sophomores so uh kind of talk to about us what are you excited for this future this young Otterbein team with some leaders coming back as well you know, I'm I, I'm very excited. We went through spring this year, and our offense, from an offensive standpoint, got tremendously better running the football. Um, you know, we bring all five offensive linemen back, which is huge on any team because it all starts up front um, with those guys. Um, they've been together. Some of them have been here for four years, but they've all been playing together for at least three. So, uh, um you know, uh, for us, we we're last year, very young. We started 14 freshmen. Um, if I had to say we were probably the youngest football team in the OAC, if not the country, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough, um, you know, at the college level to, to have freshmen starting for you because they're 17, 18 years old, right out of high school, they're starting in their first collegiate game. Um, you know, but for us, um, it was, it was a very good spring. Um, and, and we, we got a lot better running the football from that standpoint, got a lot better as an offensive unit, uh, completely. And as a team, we bring back 20 out of the 22 starters, which is, it, I, I can't speak for other teams, but I'd have to say that's probably up there as the most returning, you know, cause we were, we were playing against, uh, veteran teams that, you know, had, fifth year had graduate students on their team because they took that COVID year and and were very, very experienced. And some of those guys have been playing for four or five years. Um, But, you know, for us, when you look at our roster, there's a lot of talent on that roster that makes you excited um, that you have a lot of uh, of players who contributed on both sides of the football at a young age um, that are coming back. Um, you know, we went through spring with 85 guys, which I've talked around the league with a lot of coaches, which is, uh, is, is, you know, up there as one of the most, um, in the, in the conference. So, you know, we're, we're very, very excited for what, uh, the fall is going to bring from that standpoint. 
uh, when you look at our roster, uh, just a lot of talent from top to bottom. And, and I'm very, very excited, especially on the offensive side of the ball um, with that talent we have. Now we just got to find a quarterback. That's a big thing from that standpoint. So, you know, we had a couple guys, um, you know, with us in spring that are, that are still on that roster right now um, that we think can play on Saturdays. Um, we have some freshmen coming in that we think can play on Saturdays as well, too. Right. And for guys who don't, for people who don't understand, 85 people, 85 players in spring ball, that is a lot of yeah. returning players. That is always a good thing to have. Um, I remember some spring practices where we definitely had no more than just the ones out there. There weren't even twos. Yep. So it was just ones, and that's all you had to work with. So really exciting for you guys, definitely having that many guys come back, plus the freshman intake you'll take for next year. Correct, um, yep. Yep. So kind of swing a little bit um, back to your experience in the OEC and back to how – much talent you get to see in OAC. I mean, last year you played John Carroll. They were 20th ranked at that time. Mountain Union, fourth ranked. Um, most teams in D3 will be lucky to see one ranked opponent in their schedule. If you want to kind of talk through, like, how is it talent-wise getting to play against some of these top D3 teams in the country and, you know, yep. your experience with that. If I'm being honest, it's tough. It's <laughs> tough. Because, you know, with how our schedule was set up, um, last year, you know, we played the top half of the conference first. Um, you know, when you have a young football team like we did, it's hard, you know, to get some of those games that you may think that you could get a win out of to build that comfort confidence uh, with that. So, you know, it's but it but that's what also for me makes it fun. You know, I don't want to be in a conference where, you know, they we, you may be one of the best two teams and the rest of the conference is, you know, below 500 from that standpoint. Um, you know, I know uh, when we played BW, BW was not ranked, but they ended up finishing the year ranked. Heidelberg at one point was ranked. Um, it may have been before or after we played them at, at some point. So you throw in those two on top of John Carroll, Mount Union, um, it just makes, it makes it really tough, um, you know, but that's also – the part of the grind that you like being in this conference because you know you get to play the best of the best, right? Each each and every week you're playing the best of the best. And that also from a preparation standpoint, gets your kids excited, right? Each week they have an opportunity to do something that maybe a team in the past hadn't done before. Um, maybe beating a ranked opponent that that we haven't done in a long, long time. So it makes it from that point, it makes it exciting. Um, you know, but it also as coaches, we're spending a lot of hours trying to figure out, all right, what can we do to give ourselves an advantage? We know going up against maybe a Mount Union or John Carroll, we may not have the talent level that they have from that standpoint. Okay, so what can we do that gives our kids an advantage to be successful on Saturday? And I really got that from Coach Estep at, at Marietta, you know. Um you know, we, we had a good football team, but from a talent perspective, if you look at it and you're looking at maybe a Mount Union roster, it's not the same, right? Um, but we found ways for our guys to be successful on Saturday afternoons because we took, we found something that gave our offense an advantage. So that's what we're, you know, you're, you're looking at each week when you're, when you're going through this schedule and you're looking at these tough opponents is really, really try and find you know, you can throw that talent 
out the door, you've got to find something that gives yourself an advantage on Saturday and, and really make that, make that a focal point throughout the week. Um, so then it's successful on that Saturday afternoon. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you talk about the talent. I mean, I think back when you were there, Garrett Davis was one of our best defenders. Yep. Garrett Davis was like a five foot eight linebacker, but always had the edge, um, always well played. Um, how do you, so kind of jumping into recruiting here a little bit. Um, I mean, nowadays with social media and everything, everybody gets to see all the talent across the country and mm -hmm. you have these people out here, division D one or bust, you know, like if it's yep. not division one, I don't want it. Yep. You want to go uh, kind of address that? Like what kind of talent is the, does the OAC get the offer and what does Otterbein get to offer those players who might not be the division one talent? I mean, for, for us and for me, when we go through the recruiting part of it, um, you know, you'll get those kids who are, you know, D1 or bust. But um, what really turned recruiting, you know, for myself uh, and the OAC to make it a social media thing, I believe had to be COVID, you know? So like, I've never had to really use Twitter before to recruit someone um, from that standpoint is usually trying to call. You still call the kids, text them on. I'd still do all that stuff as well too, but really kids are on the social media aspect of it um, because they're, you know, looking to put out an offer graphic or something like that, which is great. You should celebrate that stuff as much as you can, but you know, the, I believe from a, from a recruiting standpoint in the OAC, what you can offer a recruit, you know, or one, especially here at Otterbein are great facilities to start, you know, our location sells itself in Columbus, Ohio. Um, there's going to be, you know, there shouldn't, you should never have a time when you're just sitting in your dorm because there's nothing to do because you're 15 minutes away from Ohio state you're 15 minutes away from downtown and even the city of Westerville, there's plenty of stuff to do. And then on campus as well, too, with the different sporting events going on. Um, you know, so our location sells itself, and that's what attracts a lot of, um, you know, those recruits as well, too, because one, we can, we can put a fence in our backyard because a lot of kids want to stay in the Columbus area. Um, but two, when you, when you start getting into those bigger cities, like, Cleveland or Cincinnati, Dayton, um, you know, those areas, there's kids that want to leave home, but they still want the city atmosphere. So like Columbus draws them because it's a, it's a, it's the biggest city in Ohio. Right. So um, from that perspective, that's, that's really what we um, sell to our kids. And then we're getting into the academic side of it as well, too, you know, really focal point on what they want to do academically uh, from that standpoint. Um, but really for, for, for me, recruiting kids, when, um, we, uh, are talking to them, we're, we're really, um, wanting them to find what situation is best for them. Looking at it from a whole of, okay, if you want that D one dream, but they're not there, like you've got to look at the reality of it and, and, um, say that you could have a great opportunity at a school like Otterbein university. Um, you know, from that standpoint as well, too. But, you know, for me, I hardly run into those D1 or bus type dreams nowadays. Like kids, you know, um, 
recruits are really, you know, caught up with reality and where they're at. Now you'll, you'll get some kids who want that D2 scholarship just to say they went to D2 school. Um, but then again, you're looking at it as a, if it's not a full ride, there's sometimes that a division three schools financial aid package will beat that D2 schools financial aid package. And that's some things you got to walk through that, that, that recruit and their family, you know, make, have them understand that from that standpoint. Um, but for us, you know, from the, I, I've hardly ran into that. Now I've had a few and, you know, if that's what they really want to do, then, then by all means go chase that dream. I, it, but for me, uh, when I sit down with a recruit, uh, I want them to look at this as not where you're going to go for the next four years, but this is a 40 year decision because once you're done here at Otterbein, you know, your degree is going to take you, you know, for the rest of your life into the workforce. Um, because, there's slim pickings of, of, you know, D3 kids getting into the NFL. Now, now not saying that's that would never happen uh, because that's just not true because there's been kids that get into the NFL. Um, like uh, I know Hunter or Julian Lowe was on um, the Columbus Destroyers uh, arena, arena team. You know, him and Hunter both got uh, an NFL tryout down at Ohio State. We're catching passes from JT Barrett and Cardell Jones. So, like – you're going to have those opportunities if you have those few years that that really put yourself on the map. Um, and we'll find, and, you know, if you have those few seasons like that, we're going to find you, you know, an NFL tryout to get to, to go and, and, and see if you can do it from that standpoint. So, you know, for from the recruiting aspect, it's really, really, you know, talking to the recruit, talking to the family, getting a background on them. Um, you know, obviously, if he can play football, that's great. But I also want to know about his family life. I want to know about, you know, is he going to be a good fit for uh, Otterbein, the university itself, and then our culture of our football team, right? So that's very, very important to me as a recruiter to to really build that relationship with that recruit um, and really find those those uh, things out about him and his background with his family. Um, you know, obviously the big thing that I would stress to recruits as well, too, is you got to keep your grades up, right? If you're going to play at the division three level, it's all about that GPA. Um, so that's a, that's also a big thing that kids, uh, don't really understand at an early age. You know, I'm, I'm kind of talking to, you know, those freshmen, sophomores to be juniors as well, too. You've got to get it done in the classroom if you want to go and play at the next level, especially at our level. Right. Yeah. Always a big, um, big thing to do especially in high school and some kids definitely just don't want to put the work in but don't realize that it could really damage their dreams of playing um I appreciate you coming on um it's been a great talk we do end every episode with a little advice you would give to high schoolers I know you just kind of gave some yeah. that, but if you gave one message to a high schooler that's probably looking at the you know like division three level he doesn't have the size for d1 yep uh what's your what's your message to them my, my message would be, would be find the, find the institution that gives you the best opportunity, not only on the football field, but academically as well. What school is going to set you up best for the rest of your life? You know, um, the football side of it is great because that is a slim number of kids who get to go on from high school and play the college level. But also you've got, like I mentioned earlier, you got to look at it as a 40 year decision. Um, you know, and also a, a big thing that I do when I sit down with a recruit to go over our offense is 
I, even if it's not my own recruit, if it's another coach on our staff, his recruit, I'm going to watch that kid's highlight film and see how he fits into our offense. Right. So when I do that, you can kind of see their eyes light up a little bit like, wow, this guy actually spent some time and invested because I believe it's important, even as the offensive coordinator, to show them how they're going to um, fit in our offense, how we're going to develop them in our offense, um, you know, from that standpoint, because not a lot, a lot of times you'll sit down at the offensive coordinator and they just rush through their offense and, hey, that's what we do. Um, so it's very, very important for me to sit down with that. Uh, young man and his family and let them know how we're going to use them in our offense, but also um, from an academic side of it as well, too, to show them the different opportunities that they would have in the city of Columbus with internships and stuff like that as well, too. So my biggest piece of advice would be, again, grades, 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 keep those grades up because that's that's how you're going to get the most money when it comes down to it as well, too, from of the financial aid side of it with those academic scholarships. And then, well, the, also, the other thing, like I mentioned, is finding that institution where you feel most comfortable and that's the best fit for you. You know, how you can look at it is take the football side out of it. Would you still be at this institution if you weren't playing football? That's my biggest piece of advice. And when you find those two things, um, that's, that's where a kid really that you can see the light bulb come on. Like this is home. This is, this is a place I know I can feel comfortable with and, and really excel in not only on the football field, but in the classroom as well. Yeah, definitely some great advice there. Uh, coach Carroll, thank you for coming on again. I wish you the best of luck this season at Otterbein. And, uh, that is it for our podcast episode today. Make sure to like subscribe and review. Thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, let me stop recording.